As a kid, do you remember playing a game that kind of went like this? Simon says, put your hand on your head. Simon says, put your hand on your shoulder. Put your hand on your nose. And you were playing a game kind of like follow the leader. Maybe you played that as a kid or when you were in kindergarten, you had a teacher that did that to try and, you know, help you get some physical exercise or perhaps a parent who was trying to get you to do a job or a task that they wanted help with. Well, that was kind of a fun way of following a leader or copying what somebody was showing you to do. I also remember a version of copying when I was a kid that was maybe not so much fun. And it was copycatting. I don't know if siblings in your house do this or if that's maybe just an older thing that we used to do. But I remember at times when we were desiring to push each other's buttons or to bug one another as sisters in my house, we would copycat exactly what they were doing. And as they got more and more animated and more and more frustrated, we would be copying this animation. In fact, all the way to that sibling saying, mom, so-and-so is copying me, you know, sort of in the other room or even nearby, that sibling was going, mom, they're copying me. Uh, Surely we were only the immature ones that did that. But copying one another can be fun. Uh, You can do it when you admire someone, Uh, but it can be also frustrating and pushing each other's buttons. What's funny to think about it a little bit in that way, but aren't we supposed to be copying Jesus or at least following his lead? We're currently in a series called Follow Me. And the last couple of weeks, Pastor Pat has been talking about being with Jesus, spending time with him, what that looks like and what that could be. Well, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about acting like Jesus. What does it mean to act like Jesus? And today we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus found in the book of Luke. Now, before I read uh, this version of uh, Luke from Luke chapter 19, the Zacchaeus story I remember when I was a kid was sung in a song. And we have some special guests who are going to uh, share the Zacchaeus story with us right now. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house for tea, for I'm going to your house for tea. Thank you, Becca and Abby. That was awesome. I remember that song very clearly um, as a little girl singing that half of the story about Zacchaeus, and I appreciate you guys doing that. Well, now I'm going to read the story uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people that saw this began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Well, let's break down this story, uh, look verse by verse at the story of Zacchaeus. Verses 1 and 2 sort of give us the facts about who he was. He was Zacchaeus, and he was a tax collector, and in fact, he was the chief tax collector. Some theologians believe that that meant he had other tax collectors underneath him, and he was sort of like chief in charge. And others just believe he was just a really, really good tax collector. And tax collectors, well, they collected taxes, but generally speaking, they took way more than their share, and so they were cheating people out of their money. Now, when our girls were younger, uh, they misunderstood our trips down to the corner, Chambers Corners. We would go to two breaks and I would say, oh, we're going to get our taxes done. I need to you know, get our taxes done. And so they began calling them tax collectors. Now, I assure you, they are upright uh, citizens, accountants that would, would never cheat people out of their money, I'm sure. But in the Bible times, when they talked about tax collectors, they meant people that went around and took more of their share. And so if your home owed $50, for example, the tax collector would say, actually, you owe $100. And there wasn't much they could do to fight that. And the tax collector would give 50 uh, to the empire and keep 50 for themselves. And for that reason, they were wildly unpopular. No one trusted them and no one wanted to be part of their lives. Now, oddly enough, as I was studying, I learned that Zacchaeus, his actual name means pure one, which felt ironic. I actually giggled a little bit when I read that. I thought, yeah, right. But in the heart of who each one of us is with Jesus, we can be considered pure and clean. And I think that's a really neat um, thing to think about when we think about Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus Jesus had a reputation. People knew he was coming around. They knew he was healing people and meeting with people. And so there was a curiosity for Zacchaeus, and he wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He knew where he would be going, and so he had to make a plan. Because Zacchaeus, as we learned in those first two verses, he was short. He was a short guy, and he couldn't see over the crowd. And certainly the crowd would not have um, made space for him to go to the front because of his shortness, uh, because he was just so hated. They would never have done a favor for him or be extra nice to him. And so Zacchaeus had to do his own thing, and he determines to climb a tree in order to see Jesus. Now, most men of his um, wealth would not have climbed a tree. It would have been sort of beyond their, uh, beneath their dignity to climb a tree. But in reality, uh, Zacchaeus had lost most of his dignity already uh, because of his job and his position. So he climbs this tree. And here comes Jesus down the road on the way into Jericho. And there's Zacchaeus up in the tree. And Jesus stops and speaks directly to Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, get down here, you dirty, rotten scoundrel you cheater? And the crowd probably cheered. <laughs> okay, so I'm exaggerating to make a point. Jesus looks up and says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What a statement. Jesus names him 
he calls him by name, which would have been really important, Zacchaeus. Come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus wants to spend time with Zacchaeus. He wants to hang out with him. And he doesn't just, he could have taken the opportunity to reprimand. He, he, he wants to talk with Zacchaeus. He wants to hear his heart. He wants to share stories. He wants to spend time. He must stay at Zacchaeus's house. Well, I mean, Zacchaeus jumps right out of that tree because he wants to welcome Jesus and he welcomes him gladly, it says. And I think that is such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, wouldn't it be amazing to be Zacchaeus in his shoes right now, ready to host Jesus in your home? And it's cliche to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. You are. You are hosting Jesus in your home today, right now, at this very moment. He is with you. Um, maybe not physically, obviously, as uh, Zacchaeus experienced, but he is there and he wants to spend time with you. That has been the focus of the first uh, two messages. And so Jesus comes and he spends time with Zacchaeus. Well, verse 7, things kind of change. The mood changes in our story. Everyone who watches this interaction gets upset. They mutter. They're talking about, you can just sort of hear this low murmur. They're frustrated. They're angry. And they say, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner you know, as you hear this story, do you kind of feel the same? Like, why would Jesus pick Zacchaeus's house? Surely there are other people in that crowd who were well-deserving people, maybe people who served the poor, people who went around and did really nice things for people. Wouldn't they have deserved a visit more than Zacchaeus did? Do you think you would have found yourself muttering like the crowd? I think there have been times for sure that I would have agreed with the crowd. Why would Jesus waste his time on Zacchaeus? He's a terrible person. Why wouldn't he want to be with people who are uplifting and, and doing good things? Or, or maybe at times I would have thought, yeah, Zacchaeus really needs you to visit him. He's a dirty, rotten lowlife. Like he needs your visit. And frankly, both attitudes are equally wrong. An author of a book called Canoeing the Mountains that we're reading right now as a staff the author is Todd Bolsinger. He says this, Jesus frequently disappointed people, specifically religious people, when they perceived he had the wrong principles, like hanging out with the wrong kind of people. In these moments, they forgot, the religious people forgot that Jesus' mission on earth, which was to save lost souls, his mission trumped everything else. Jesus sees and knows Zacchaeus, his need inside. Someone who clearly robs people, cheats them out of their livelihood, they need to meet Jesus. And the crowd probably uh, is presuming they understand his, um, his outward, they outwardly are judging him and they, they know exactly what needs to happen with Zacchaeus. He's a bad person. He doesn't deserve this kind of special time with Jesus. And so they mutter about they're frustrated, they're angry, they don't really understand. Why is it happening like this? Now, this may not be a perfect example because I find that earthly examples uh, can't always match up with heavenly ideas. It's tricky. But as parents, have you ever experienced a child 
behaving oddly, um, sometimes poorly or, or pulling back or, or maybe words are coming out of their mouth that are not the best. And that is often a sign that that child needs some one-on-one time. They need a trip, you know, just a chat, a drive down the road, a, a hot chocolate at Tim Hortons. Their siblings could perceive that. Why would you do that, mom or dad? That behavior doesn't warrant a trip with you. But sometimes siblings can't see what parents can. And often, always, Jesus sees what we can't in other people. But when Jesus spends time with Zacchaeus, he begins to act more like him, becoming more Christ-like. And it is clear that Jesus' time with him is bringing about major life change. Verse 8 makes this apparent. Zacchaeus repents after spending time with Jesus. He turns his life around. He wants to go in a new direction. And in fact, beyond repenting, he actually he determines to make restitution, to restitution. Excuse me, to restore everything that he has stolen and more. He says this, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. After spending time with Jesus, possibly a few hours, we're not really sure, Zacchaeus is making changes to his life. He's beginning to act and look more like Jesus. He's making amends with people. He's paying back way more than he took. And he's declaring that he wants to help the poor by giving away his possessions. This is massive life change and quick to become more like Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that Zacchaeus was perfect from this uh, moment forward. I'm sure that's not possible. He was human like you and I. But we can see his heart is changed and he is determined to make these life changes. Is Jesus speaking to you today? Are you sitting in a sinful place needing to repent of a particular behavior, an attitude towards other people, or words that you've maybe spoken or written? Jesus loves us so much. He wants to come near to us and save us from these things, just like he did to Zacchaeus. He wants us to live in freedom. How are we like Zacchaeus? We might want to think that we aren't, but we're quite similar. After spending time with Jesus, are we more compelled to be like him? Now you might be saying, Renee, I am not cheating people out of money. I'm not terrible like that. Zacchaeus was a horrible, sinful person. But the truth is that each one of us, every single person, me, we need Jesus to save us, period. We can't do it on our own, no matter what we've done in our past and no matter what decisions we will make in the future. Sometimes we get stuck here, I do, thinking, well, we haven't really done anything that bad. And we sit in serious judgment of other people. But that sinful judgment and subsequent judging thoughts is the same in Jesus' eyes as their behavior. And and this is hard for me. Often the physical manifestation of a sinful heart is so much easier to judge But we all, at the heart of the issue, can have those kind of sinful motives in our hearts. Often we justify our own sinful motives while calling out others. Matthew 7 reminds us of that at the beginning of the chapter when we're talking about, you know, take the plank out of your own eye before you 
tell your brother there's a speck in theirs. At the heart of Zacchaeus's sin is plain selfishness. He wanted more and he wanted it for himself. And my heart can look exactly the same. Selfish attitudes, wanting what I want, wanting people to do the things that I want them to do. Selfishness. We may not be outwardly cheating people of money, but we say things we shouldn't. Sometimes we lie or exaggerate to get people to like us. We work longer hours at the expense of our family. We find security in bank accounts instead of trusting in God. And those are all sinful motives. They look differently outwardly, but really at the heart of the issue, it's similar to Zacchaeus. Well, our story does not end in that hard place. It finishes up with a powerful message from Jesus to Zacchaeus. Verse 9 says this, Today salvation has come to this house because of this man too. He is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' life is changed forever. And Jesus saves him from his old life and makes him new. He offers that to each one of us. Equally, we are all lost without Jesus. Whether our former life includes, or our current life, includes murder, adultery, gossip, or hard-to-recognize selfishness, we all need Jesus to come into our life to save us. When we spend time with Jesus, we begin to understand the depth of our own sin and our need for him to save us. And that's how we're changed. And that's how we begin to act more like Jesus. The big question I sit with today is, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Would my girls or my husband Ron or my neighbors or coworkers, would they say that I look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday? Have I taken the time to recognize and admit that I need to be saved by Jesus, like understanding the depth of my sin? Have I changed to be more like Jesus because of the time I have spent with him? Am I spending time with Jesus? is another hard question. Am I kinder towards others, more compassionate to those in need and to those who drive me crazy? Am I more generous with my time, my energy, my resources? Do the words that come out of my mouth sound anything like Jesus? Do the words I type or post online represent my time with Jesus? Do the thoughts that I allow to swirl around and dominate my mind sound like Jesus' words speaking to me? These questions are totally convicting to me. And I often need to confess that my thoughts and words and actions don't represent Jesus. And I want to represent him to the world. The more time I spend with him, the more I am able to act more like Jesus. And I want to pray today that each of us continue to have a story of compelling life change because of our encounters with Jesus, just like Zacchaeus did. Let's pray together. God, this story is challenging. I can often be part of a muttering crowd, which does not represent 
who you are and how you feel about other people. God, would you help each one of us? Would you help us to spend more time with you? Would you help us to acknowledge you throughout the day? I don't mean sitting down for a five-hour Bible study, but would you help us to be aware of your presence? Would you help us to start our day acknowledging that you are in control, that you love us? Would you help each one of us to look more and more like you as we spend more time with you? Would you help us to be examples and ambassadors for your love? Would you help us to give other people a glimpse of who you are because of who we are? And Lord, that is a, it feels daunting when I say it like that, when I hear those words, but I know that you can do that through us. It's not in our power that we represent you. It's in yours. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to seek you, to follow you, to act more like you, and to look more like you each and every day. We will give you the honor and the glory for those glimpses of you that people see in us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.